1: man thank you for being here today so we are wrapping up our series faith that brings freedom which is about paul's letter to the galatians and uh, we've been talking about the theme of freedom and what does that mean for our walk some of you are like why is communion in a prison cage there's a reason it's we're gonna get that is not a normal thing okay normally it's just it's just out we're gonna get there you're gonna find out hang with me okay uh, but today we're going to wrap up that series. So when I was a kid, when I was like two or three, I do not remember this as the story relayed to me, okay? Um, when I was like two or three, my, my brothers and his friends were playing Star Wars in our house. And we had, anybody remember way back when you could buy like those, those like, weights and you'd fill them with like sand or water as a way of like working out at home? So we had some of those. And my parents filled those up. And, uh, and then they had, like, dumbbells and barbells, and they, you'd put them on the ends, and, and, and they'd work out. Well, my brother and his friends didn't have lightsabers. This is way before lightsabers were actual toys, right? There, there's a time, kids, before time began, <laughs> where we didn't have awesome toys, you know. And we used things like in order to make a lightsaber. And so I'm like two or three wanting to play with my brothers. My brother is five years older than me, so he's, he's seven, eight years old. And, uh, and he's playing with his friends, and and here's what happens is one kid takes the barbell, the dumbbell, and he throws it in the air as the lightsaber. And what catches it is the back of my head. <laughs> now, you may not believe this, but I used to have a full head of hair, okay? Again, pre-lightsaber, Okay. <laughs> And and my glorious blonde, I had a full blonde head of hair as a little kid, okay, and it just turns beet red, and I start screaming, and and the kids are freaking out, and my dad runs in the room, sees what's wrong, and he tells the kid, uh, did you grab him? You grabbed him? <laughs> He's not proud of this, but I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> uh, he grabs the kid, seven, eight years old, and he says, I'm going to clean it up. He says, you get out of my house. And the kid, terrified, runs and goes home. I end up getting stitches. I think I have a scar back there somewhere. Um, anyway, I, I, I turned out fine. Stupid bats. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I, but, but what happened was um, the same kid who uh, was terrified and ran out of the house and did it, Weeks later, they had to come and talk to my dad and say, can you please come apologize to this little boy? He has not left his house for two weeks. <laughs> he is terrified of that moment because he, he feels, and my dad did, and they, he, the kid was fine. Um, I think the kid probably was more traumatized than I was from that moment. But here's what I find kind of cool about that moment. is That was a moment where a father was fighting for his kids. Keep me safe, to keep me alive, to keep me from being hurt or bound up. Our Father fought for our freedom. God fought and died for you to live life free. But we treat our freedom so minusculely, so small, we make up new rules if we're in the church for a while. We, cheap, uh, we cheapen grace by living in sin however we want to. And we don't, we forget the price that was paid. I, I had an argument with somebody recent, not an argument, I more just pushed back, but not literally. And, 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 and somebody was saying, well, I don't like that person because they were being kind of sexist. But this is somebody who was like kind of a decorated war veteran who had put their lives on the line and, and said, and don't get me wrong, not pro-sexism, not a fan, okay? But at the same time, this person who was putting them down, like, there was no honor in them. They, were, they, they had done nothing in their life, and they're putting down this person who had honor. This, don't get me wrong. That person is broken just like all of us. But even when we correct, are we doing it with honor? That person fought for your freedom, and you're treating them like a second-class citizen. How much infinitely more so do we do with our Father in heaven, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved our souls, and we treat that freedom like it's second rate? It's a mistake. And that's, Paul goes nuts over this because that's what happens to the Galatian church. The Galatian church had a group that infiltrated their church. They came in, and here's what happened. They were like, hey, you know, that's great. You're following Jesus and all, but you haven't been circumcised. You've got to follow these Old Testament laws. You've got to do things this way. It would be like somebody coming in here. You know, there are people who, who are at Thrive who they came from the Catholic church, and they're like, that's great, but where's your robe, Pastor Brian? Why are you married? Well, I have five kids. There's a good reason, but I got others, right? Okay, so Jesus came to set us free. He came to deliver us, and we shorten, we, we, we mock that gift and that honor when we say it has to be something else in a certain way, when we start adding to what Jesus did, and that's what was happening in the Galatian church. They were like, that's great, but you also got to do these things. Why aren't you doing these things? And here's the thing. Before Jesus was around, those guys saying that, they were the popular kids. They were the cool kids Till Jesus came around and blew it all up. And then Jesus was gone and resurrected. And guess what? The old popular kids came back in. They're like, great, it's our show again. It's time. And Paul just blast them in the Galatian church in this letter saying, enough. Jesus paid for you or he didn't. Did he do it all or didn't he? And if so, we should look like it. So I want to talk about, I'm wrapping up the series. So I've got like two and a half chapters I've got to wrap up in one week. So I feel like one of those kids, you know, who planned something out, like drawing a letter, and you started like, D, Oh, then you get towards the end of the page, you're like, seven, nine, you know, like you're just trying to squeeze it in. So that's what today is. We're squeezing it in and we're packing it up, okay? But it'll be readable. All right, so so Galatians chapter five, and this is, in my opinion, okay, I am not a theologian, but I am versed and pre- pretty biblically literate. Verse one, to me, this is the summary verse of the book of Galatians, okay? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Pause. Other versions of the Bible say it, I think, a little better, where it says, it's for freedom's sake that God set you free. God just wanted you to be free. Have you ever seen somebody, has anybody here ever done prison ministry? Nobody? Wow, you guys got to get on it. All right. (laughs) Um... There are people you meet, and then you realize, man, I'm, I'm as broken as they are. And all you want to do is just get them out, and you don't have that control. See, but God did, and that's God's heart for us. Have you ever had a burden for somebody who was just stuck, and you wish you had the power and the ability to just get them out of that situation? That was God's heart for you. That is a reflection of who God is. That's not you and your compassion. That's God's design and thumbprint on you. Okay, keep going. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. In this moment, he's saying, if you go through with this, if that's the road you go down, you don't come back. See, now, us on this side of grace... We're all like, no, well, I mean, that's their preference in their walk, etc. It's okay if that's the way they want to do it. It is not okay. It is not okay to say, the table of the Lord needs some napkins that I prefer. Did Jesus do enough or didn't he? Did Jesus save us or he didn't? Am I forgiven? Am I free? Am I redeemed? Then live like it. And accept no less. All right, we're going to get into it. Hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. Again, I declare to you, to every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You're trying to be justified by the law and have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. If that is not the biggest slap in the face statement right there, you think you're holy. You're nowhere near Jesus. You've left him. You've left him for your own works. Man, that is is an indictment on religion in the church. The practice that I can get to Jesus instead of him coming to me. That's the thing about Christianity that we constantly forget. You know what makes us different than every other religion in the world? Some people are like... Because there's white people in it? No, it wasn't a white man's religion. It was a Middle Eastern Jewish religion that spread to the earth. It's not a white thing. Matter of fact, if you poll the Christians around the world, most of us aren't white in the in the vast majority. We're the minority. No pun intended. <laughs> okay? Well well it's 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 you know, it's it's this group and it belongs to those people, and it's if you're from that background no. It belongs to the followers of Jesus Christ. And what makes us different isn't what nation it came from and isn't how we practice or a cross versus this group. And there's some b- groups that believe we're all the same. You know what makes it different? Versus every other belief system on the planet. And I'll throw atheism with this. The difference is we have the only religion where God came to us because we couldn't get to him. Every other religion on the planet has a ladder mentality. You ascend to get to God, to get to a higher plane. You have works to get there. Christianity is the only one where God's like, you can't do it, but I got this. And if we go back to, I'm gonna keep climbing my ladder, my Christian ladder, Jesus, right now Paul is saying you're falling away from grace. For those of us who've been in the church a while, this becomes scandalous. How can you possibly forgive this thing over and over and over? And constantly he brings us back to the cross. How could he not? All right, keep going. You're trying to be justified by the law And you've been alienated from Christ, okay, we read that, verse 5, through through the Spirit we eagerly await by the faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Point one, God wants you free. You're just going to have to settle that in your heart. You're like, "You, you don't understand, Pastor Brian, I've fallen again and again and again. This has happened to me over and over and over God wants you free. That is God's heartbeat. Everything that's within you saying, I can't be, I won't be, I'm never gonna be, that's a lie. That's not God. God hasn't set me free yet. Mm-hmm. Yes, He has. Remember, we talked about that the first week. He already set you free. You and I just aren't walking out of the prison cell. The door's open. He wants us to be free. God does, period. Settle it in your heart. Know it in your mind. God wants you to live a life that's full of freedom. Verse 12, he goes on to say, and as for those agitators, I wish they'd go on in a whole way and emasculate themselves. Do you have that verse? If you do, put it on the screen. Let me, let me put that in modern language for you. As for those guys who crept into the church, why don't they just do the whole thing and just chop off their testicles? That's what he's saying. I'm not being dirty. That's what he's saying. That's in the Bible. The Bible's weird.
2: <laughs> the Bible says that?
1: I thought I talked about a kid with fish and loaves. <laughs> does that too. But here he's saying, just go all the way, guys. Why not? because it's a mockery of what Jesus did. Jesus paid everything, gave himself up, died the most humiliating, despicable life, died for us, gave himself up. And there's this group that thinks, and I can get closer to him and be more like him by doing this small medical procedure and this dietary restrictions. Do you realize how stupid that sounds? We do that now, though. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty holy. I only vacation in Branson. <laughs> pretty much it's just the Hallmark Channel and then the Angel Network. Those are my, that's it. Only listen to Hillsong. I'm pretty great, yeah. And you have no friends, but, right, we do that. That's what we do now. We make up our own rules to say, I'm clean. And we're not. We're actually full of sin. I've said this many times. Jesus told sinners, repent of your sin. But he told the religious, repent of your religion. Because God saw their religion as sin. Because it was an affront to God that you can get to me. Let me try and give you this example. If someday when my kids come of age, right, and, and let, let's say Colin's like, hey, uh, can I just pay you back? What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, the diapers and the, and the, and the lodging and stuff. Can I just pay you back over all the years? Now, first, no way, Right? <laughs> let alone mom, forget me, paying back mom, right? Log those man hours. I don't know what that is per hour, but I can't say a number because I guarantee it'll get me in trouble. Whatever it is, it'll be too low, <laughs> right? But imagine tallying that number up at 18 and then saying, can I just pay you back for that? You know, so we're even and we're on the same plane. Let's say they did. You came to that agreement and so even if they did, even if they could, which they never could, right? Because they can't pay you back for your heart, the tears, the hours, the fear, the worry. They can't pay you back. But let's say they could. You know what they could never do? They could never become the parents. They'll never be where we are. Because we went before. The God of the universe has always existed, paid for everything, did it all to set us free. What a mockery to tell him, I got, hey, let me... Let me give this back to you, God. I got this. Hey, I'm gonna put a 20 in the offering today. Huh? We give because he first gave. We follow because he left everything to find us. And we live free because he doesn't want us bound. Not only that, that verse, put it back up there. Emasculate themselves. You know what else that's saying? That God, number two, point number two, God despises hypocrisy. He hates it. When God sets us free, we're forgiven, and then we're starting to be like, oh, you know, I'm awesome. Come up to my level. Look at me, I'm a big deal. God hates that. You know, we had Gary, Pastor Gary here last weekend, Gary Grogan. If you weren't here, you totally missed out. If you didn't go to the men's retreat, you're just not a man. I'm sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. But he, uh, you know what I love about Pastor Gary? That man pastored a church of 2,000. And he saw a girl from like 30 people. He's spoken all over the world. well, And you know what? There isn't a day he won't take my call. And a lot of others like me, missionaries who nobody knows their name. Because it's not about his position. He doesn't care what he's accomplished. He understands what the kingdom call is. You understand, it's not about position and authority. It's about what God did for us and the position he put us in. It's what he did. It's not what we accomplished. It's what he's already done. And I don't want to become a hypocrite along the way that says, you know, God's forgiven me. But now, look at me. No, everywhere along the way, no matter what ground we take from the enemy, no matter what successes we see, every point along the way, we should be screaming, look at Jesus! Look at him, not me, not the worship team. So this morning I I had this set up this morning, they're like, well, you won't see so-and-so. That's okay, because it really isn't about seeing the worship team. This will be gone next week. Relax. (laughs) Okay? But it's not about that. Who cares who's on stage? It's about seeing Jesus. It's about looking at Him and feeling lost in His majesty and His person and all that He's done for me. The antidote to being a hypocrite, the antidote to hypocrisy is humility. What a lot of people want to do is they want to get saved, and then then they want to climb the ladder. Jesus paid it all, and now I'm gonna get some more. (laughs) That's the mentality we get. Jesus paid it all, now he owes me more. (laughs) Like that's what we think, because now the Lord wants me to take territory. Even if that's kinda true, it's not for you, (laughs) it's for his kingdom and his sake and his name and his glory. We shouldn't want it. I don't want it. It's for him. Make him known. It's funny, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get in trouble. But I just read an article about this pastor who's basically dedicated part of his ministry to calling out prosperity preachers. You know, and he, he blasts Joel Osteen and other guys. This is a very famous pastor. If I said his name, most of you know who he was. I'm not going to say it. And, and, and some of his arguments against the prosperity, I'm not a prosperity guy, but some of his arguments, they're, they're pretty justified. None of us wants to see the pastor in the Benz, you know, you know, seven days a week. Like, it's, it doesn't fully sit right. We're not going to go down that road. But some of us are like, the pastor in the Rolls Royce, is that, that doesn't seem, I don't know, right? This guy's dedicated to it. Well, as it turns out, he's got three different homes and three different places and makes multiple millions every year. Hypocrisy. What's the antidote? Humility. Drop the stones that we want to throw. Say, you know what, I was in there too. I'm not throwing stones at the guy who's stuck in there anymore. I'm not throwing stones at the guy who keeps going to sit back in here. See, this door is open, but we'll sleep here. We'll hang out here, even though the door is open and unlocked. And you know what other Christians do? They create their own prisons by throwing stones at the ones who keep going back. Stop! There's a cool book called The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. It's about a series of visions he was given over many years. But something he said in that book always stuck with me. If you're a very biblical literist, you're going to hate this. But hang with me anyway. Okay, so... He says, at one point in the vision, they were all climbing this mountain uh, towards God as they were in this spiritual war. And in the vision, here's what happened is, he saw at the bottom, there were these Christians that he saw like they never grew. It's like they went this far and then they stopped. Now that being said, side note, I believe God wants every believer to grow and keep growing. Right? He wants us to walk in our freedom to greater and greater measures. But they were at the base of this mountain... And they never, and he saw those Christians fighting. And what he realized is somehow, some way in the spiritual, those Christians who never grew, but they were at the base of the mountain fighting while others ascended higher, it was those ones at the bottom of the mountain that somehow fought that made a way for others to ascend higher. God knew what he was doing. Hypocrisy would say, what's the matter with you? Grow up. But hypocrisy... Humility realizes we all struggle. We all got places we're stuck. We all have things we're hung up on and that we need to walk in freedom more from. All of us. And he gives the antidote for this hypocrisy and this habit. Verses 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, you'll be destroyed by your neighbor. will be destroyed by each other. Verse number three, God says, if it isn't love, it isn't him. Somebody wants to come and correct you and then be like, and Jesus loves you. I hate your face, but Jesus loves you. Thank you. (laughs) Can I tithe to that? That's fantastic. (laughs) Right? How much stuff have we done with Christian guys on it but wasn't done in love? We put our little Christian seal on it, then it's okay. Right? Hey, you were flat, all of worship. It was horrible. I'm just saying that because I love you. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) You really got to get this together in your life. But I love you. And there's there are moments. I'm a big fan in in truth and correction and, and godly criticism, but it should all be for the sake of our growth, and it's done in love. Paul's earned the spot to say this. He's not saying this out of like some dude. You ever see anybody walk into a church and they're like, let me give you some advice. And they've never been there before? You've not earned that place. You're not doing it in love. You're doing it in posturing and pride. Isn't that great when the new guy comes into work and they're like, let me show you how to do this. <laughs> I know you're three associates above me, but I think you need to understand how this goes. And you're just like, man, if I could fire you. <laughs> if I had the power, you know. Because, because it's unbelievable, and it's not, none of it's done in love. But the good boss, the one you want in your life, the good leader, the good pastor, the good authority pulls you in, sits you down and says, hey, you need to know something. I've been corrected by both. I've been corrected by authority who just, just didn't like me. Wasn't in love. Anybody here that ever happened to you? Somebody corrected you that did not like you? Put your hands up. Come on. <laughs> Everybody in this room should. But kids, don't look at your parents, Okay. All right, it's going to happen at some point or another. They just don't. Somebody just doesn't care about you, and you know it's not a love. So you know what? It's very difficult to receive. And then others, you know, a good, a really good teacher, a pastor, a parent, when they sit you down and they're like, "Hey, this is the wrong way. Don't. I'm warning you. This is not good. This is not healthy." Or even in anger. And I know, man, at the end of the day, when I walked away from that conversation with that person, they loved me. And I loved them. When it's that, it's it's not correction. It's not It's not being rebuked. I'm being set free. I'm not being called to the carpet. I'm being called out of the prison. That's What godly, freeing correction does. So if you walk away from a conversation like, I just feel bad, then you need to ask yourself, was it from the Lord or not? Conviction can make you feel bad. Being convicted of your sins, knowing you're doing wrong, it can make you feel bad. But is it making you feel bad that's saying, God, would you change me? Then that's a good, bad feeling. (laughs) But if it's conviction that's like, well, I want to kind of die right now. And I see no life in anything they just said to me. Throw it in the trash. It probably wasn't done in love. And all it's doing is binding you up and not setting you free. Throw it out. So just as we can't give instruction any way we want to, he goes on in the verse 19 and 20 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. So right now, he's creating a distinction. Because once you're set free, you are now living by the Spirit. You're living a spiritual life now. Okay? The acts of the flesh, which are not the spiritual life, but a fleshly life, worldly, thinking only about me and us and right here and what's in front of me and what I want. The acts of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I'm warning you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If God sets us free and we walk in it, but eventually we decide to go back to the prison, And close ourselves back in. Even though the gate's unlocked and the door is open, even though that has happened, you're saying, God, I reject what you've done for me. We are not a Calvinist church here. I do not believe one saved, always saved. I believe over a period life of a believer, you can at some point say, God, I want what I want and not what you have for me. And I reject you. I do not believe salvation is a set of keys that you can lose. And then you're just like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to hell today. <laughs> no, it's not like that. You don't, you, we make willful choices to say, I decided to live here, God. I decided to stay in the prison. See, We live in this land of extremes, and God is a God of balance. Not like Eastern religion balance, true justice balance. That says you are free and you'll be forgiven, but you can't live any way you want to. Why? Well, it's because of the next point. God's law brings freedom, not anarchy. Doing anything we want isn't freedom. As we are seeing in our nation. Right? If you can be any gender you want, then there are no genders. That's not freedom. It's anarchy. And it's self-deceptive. If your value and the sum total of who you are is your sexual preference, preference, then you have a very small view of who you are and who God designed you to be. That's not freedom. Freedom saying I can do what I want, when I want, because God forgives me, God loves me, then you haven't really met him. You don't understand what he did for you. You don't understand the price he paid. God came to set you free. We all have things we're bound to. We all have bents and weakness, all of us. Well, you know, I, I only get high here and there. So here and there, you spend the night in the prison. But God paid a very high price for you to not live in. Does he forgive me? He will always forgive you. But the problem with going back and back and back to the prison is it doesn't like to keep opening. These, These hinges harden. Our heart gets harder from sin, not softer. That's what happens. But God wants you free. He doesn't want you living there. Some of you can have a drink or two and you're done with it. And some of you cannot. And it becomes a prison instantly. Why? Why? I don't know. Why does that guy have a problem with pornography and this person doesn't? I don't know. Why does this person sleep around and they don't? I don't know. We all have our struggles and our prisons and our bents of things that bind us up. But what's better than that is we all have a God who came for every last one of us and paid the highest price to say, It is finished. You are free. Live like it. Follow me. The enemy has played a great trick on our society in the last few years. That we can do, think, say, and feel anything we want and we should be allowed to do it. And if you say otherwise, you're the evil one. But what that is, is anarchy. That's not freedom. Founding fathers in our nation knew that. Matter of fact, was it was it George Washington who said this? This system won't work, devoid of Christianity, devoid of a, a devout people. It won't work because freedom, without a governor of our hearts, just creates different prisons. I've known Christians like that over the years. I loved them dearly. Spent time and hours with them. And they just kept going back. And And what was, the honorable ones were the ones who said, I reject Jesus and I reject this whole thing. Those were the honorable ones. The dishonorable ones were, Jesus is fine with me doing whatever I want. Man. And, and the, one of the few things I can liken it to, and I don't, I don't, I don't ascribe to a, a full-on nationalism, and I, I don't—I don't believe America's new, God's new Jerusalem, and I don't—we're not in the Bible. I, I'm not weird, okay? But we do believe that God establishes authority, and we're here. And so, it's kind of like saying, "I want to take down your ability to say such things here and there on the internet because freedom." And somebody else, you know, generation or two before who, who watch their friends die on the battlefield are looking at that and they're like, yeah, I don't think that adds up. We kind of paid for your ability to say it. Remember, guys, years ago there was a saying, I don't agree with what you're saying or doing, but I'll defend with my life your right or freedom to do it. Do you guys remember that? Everybody under 25 is like, I have never heard that. <laughs> yeah, you haven't, because you haven't been taught it, because you're taught that that's wrong and evil. No, what's wrong and evil is anarchy. Freedom doesn't come from our government. It comes from Jesus. But it has restrictions on it. And that restrictions is them following the life of Jesus, living purely and abundantly. A pure life is an abundant life. It's a deception of the enemy that being able to drink sleep with who you want, do drugs, smoke pot, whatever, fill in the blank, sleep around, practice witchcraft, see and do whatever you want, that that's somehow God's sense of freedom. That's a deception. It's not a condemnation on you. We all fall. We all have our struggles. And then the beauty is he picks us right back up. He says, hey, forgive this it's okay we're gonna get bad views along the way and God can clean that up too he can clean up bad theology it's okay he paid for that too but the fruit of the spirit is love joy forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there's no law Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. God's freedom has a fruit, it has a result. And it looks like this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forbearance, generosity, self control. This is what we look like when we are free. Free people don't have to get all up in your face, they don't have to get in your business. Freedom is offered, never forced. Because if it's forced, it ain't freedom. (laughs) You have to go to church or else. (laughs) Man, that's not freedom. I want to go to church. I want to be with God's people and lift up his name and experience his tangible presence in the house with God's people. Come on. But I want to live in that freedom. That's joyful to me. Man, as hard as, as early as Sunday morning comes and the cold and unloading the trailer, there's also something really special about that time. That one day we won't have anymore because someday we will have a home and that will be a glorious day. Praise God. But you know what? We'll be trading something in that moment. There's something special about the people of God who say, I'm here early to make the kingdom of God happen in this place, to join the 2,000-year-old story of the church gathering wherever they can find a place, to just put up something, call on his name, pray together, take communion, lift him up. You are doing something most churchgoers in the West will never even comprehend. You have said, I will lay it down and I'll go anywhere to lift up his name and hear his word. You got something. This, that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. It looks like that. This is a free life. See, a free life says I don't have to be in a building somewhere, I'll meet with him anywhere. I'm no longer bound to the temple, I am the temple. <laughs> a free life now says I, I, I'm not mad at you when you're mad at me because I'm free of people's opinions. I don't need your approval now. I'm not looking to defy you on your approval and hate you for it. I'd love your approval, but if I don't have it, it's okay, because I have his. I'm free. Well, they don't understand. So? (laughs) Some of you, you've encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You spoke in tongues, you, you lifted your hands, you, you've, God used you to see somebody healed, you, you spoke prophetically, and you're like, it's weird, I don't like it, uh, stop, you're free, you're free to live by the Spirit. If somebody else doesn't like it, that's their prison, not yours. I believe, and we are to be Thrive Church, we're not supposed to be the church down the streets. Or or Parkview, or somebody. We're supposed to be thrive because God called us to be a free church. That's who we're meant to be. We don't need to be somebody else. Can we learn from them? Yeah, but we aren't bound to anything else anymore. We're bound to the Spirit, and yes, the Word. But that's in the banner. So (laughs) we love Him. And he set us free. Why don't we live like it? Changing your mindset. For for example, like do I have to go to church today? You still have a mindset of prison about church. We get to. We want to. We long to. Not a have to. All the have-tos were done at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Everything else from there, once we've accepted Jesus in our hearts, becomes a get-to, an honor-to. If you find yourself asking yourself that question or someone, do I have to today? Check your heart, bring it to the Lord, say, God, I'm bound to something here, and I'm thinking wrong. Do I have to tithe? Your mindset's wrong. You get to. Well, do I, do, I, do I have to stop, you know, smoking pot? No, you get to, because God wants you free. God doesn't want us bound to anything but him. Do I have to stop drinking coffee? No, and I never will. Come on, praise God. <laughs> because I'm free. Now, if God told me to do it, I would, but I don't have to. But it also doesn't alter my consciousness. It makes me conscious, but it doesn't alter my consciousness. Right? Praise God. God wants you to live in a level of freedom like you've never even known. What if, here, let me throw this at you. What if your spouse was mad at you and you were still okay and loved them just as much as you did before they were mad at you? You had that level of freedom. Not because you're not going to make it right. You are going to make it right. You have the humility and the spirit and the joy and the forbearance and the forgiveness to say when you're sorry and you're wrong. But you haven't lost all your peace because you understand that Jesus has me. And we'll figure this out. What if when the finances were shaking... You knew, but I know the Father who the cattle on a thousand hills. I cannot let this financial strain become a new prison and burden for me to carry. See, that's what happens. Some of us, we start walking in our freedom, and we've left our prison, but the enemy finds chains to start throwing on our backs along the way and slowing us down. Even if we don't go back here, we slow way down. We become discouraged. And man, let me tell you, one of my abilities, one of my greatest gifts and talents is to become discouraged. I'm so good at it. Seriously, if you find something right, I can find something wrong with it. I, I think it has something to do with growing up in, in the south side of Chicago, just blue-collar, tough, rough people where just life was hard. And, and you just, you're just like, there's a blue cloud, yeah. But the ozone. You know, like it's just you can just be right there. You can always find something. I'm just good at it. When some of you were like that. Like, when's the other shoe gonna drop? Because we're not free. But yet God wants you to be. God doesn't want us living in that place of who cares what shoe drops? I know who owns the sky. I know who's in control. I know who set me free. I know who loves me and who paid the ultimate price for me. And that'll never change. I can't change that. And that is the best news ever. There's a great song years ago that you you would not know from a band, but the song was called The Truth. and, 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 uh, And that, there's a chorus... Said, for the sake of the world, I thank the Lord. The truth is not contingent upon me. To this day, that, that, those lyrics resonate to me. The truth of what God did for you, how he loves you, how he set you free, where you've been, what you're going through now, or what you're about to face, will never change who God is to you. It can't change what Jesus paid for you. It can't. You can't mess it up. You can willfully reject it, but you can't screw it up. You can't mess and stumble and trip and be like, whoops. God can't stop loving you and won't. It's finished. When I think, like, when people think of you, loving, joyful, bearing with them, kind, good, when you think of that list, do people think of you? Do people think, man, they're, they're really loving? You know, I'll pick on a few people. When I think about somebody who's joyful, almost all the time, I think of Alan. You know when he calls, sometimes they don't call me and be like, I had a bad day. And I'm always sitting on the other end of the line like, this is, this is how you sound on a bad day? <laughs> just, the guy just has a lot of joy. Sounds like Jesus. He really does. Somebody who's loving. Bears with them. And some of you know somebody like that. They just, they'll hang with you in the worst of the worst of the worst. They will sit at your side and just be like, hey, I got you. That's like Jesus. That's a free life. A free life says I'll drop everything to be there for you. Because the other stuff doesn't matter because you matter. You know who I think is like that? I think Gene Hansen's like that watched her sit at people's sides in the worst hours she's not upset by it she's just glad to do it just bear with them kind, good, faithful so many people in this room so many people I think this church is filled with faithful people the Eberts I'll ask them to do stuff. It's not in their job description. They'll just do it. Scott, Marty, Michael, just, man, Johnny, they're there. Gentle. Just doesn't come out harsh. Just can deliver the mail with a gentleness and a kindness. self-control just doesn't lose it I've watched this a few times just picking on I watched Michelle in a few high- stress situations just at least publicly she doesn't lose it she just we'll figure it out make it happen get it done and I can pick on everybody in this church to see. What if we all look like most of that list most of the time? Because we understand that that spirit is living inside us and helping us walk it out. In chapter 6, we're wrapping up. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In the flesh, you'll reap destruction. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Don't become weary in doing good. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. So, number six, the last truth God gave us a choice. This is where freedom begins. We've got some people in this room here today never met Jesus, you never said yes to him, you went to church, you went to confirmation, you did, but you didn't look him in the eye with your heart and say be my savior know me I want to follow you and you got to make that decision today, but there's a second group there's a second group in this room and that group was saying you know there's just some stuff I'm kind of bound to I'm really struggling, like I never have gotten free of this. wasn't that long ago I was talking to somebody in their 60s, and they're like, my whole life I've felt like I'm the runt of the litter. I'm not part of the group. I'm, I'm, I'm in the back of the pack if I'm even in it. And this is somebody who knows Jesus well, followed Him, loves Him, stellar. And it's not because they are messed up and they never got it right. It's because we're human we're a process and Jesus keeps taking chains off of us he keeps setting us free, he keeps drawing us in saying hey I got more for you, I want you to be even more free so I've got this for you today everybody in this place and I need maybe two or three volunteers to help Miss Michelle out here I want you to take a slip of paper and on that slip of paper can I get one from you, Claire it says this I don't want your name on here. This is between you and the Lord, okay? Don't put your name on it. It just says, what's your prison? or What's hindering you from your freedom? And Today, in a moment, I'm going to ask that you make a trade. Trade the thing that's hindering you for the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. So we're going to give you a moment to fill this out. And then we're going to open this up to the table to come and receive and walk in the freedom. So you take this, you fill it out, and you take your time. And when you're ready, you come. And you come to here. And as you take the communion, the very thing that sets you free, Jesus' blood and body, and you take what the, the enemy meant to bind you up, and you take it and you throw it back in the prison, and you leave it there. Today we make a trade. It says, God, I want to be free. doesn't mean tomorrow it won't creep back in and want to get you, but you can come back to this moment and say, no, he did set me free. I am free. I may have these bents. I may have these struggles. I may have these desires, but the truth is more real than my, the cross is more real than my desires. It is finished. I am forgiven. I'm going to figure this thing out. He's going to take me. So heads bowed and eyes closed. Before you fill out that slip of paper, and some of you already have, and that's okay, what is that one thing in your life that you're like, it's always there? That time I was molested, it's always there. person that died, it's always there. That debt, that debt that I cannot fix, I cannot chop down, it's always there. That failure that I never thought I would fail in, it's always there. It's just that one thing that never goes away and the Lord is telling you what one thing forgiven you. Every day is new in the Lord. You are delivered. You are forgiven. You are free. You are loved. He sees you like he sees his son. God wants you to live that way. He wants you to leave here with a smile on your face and a song in your heart. So I'm going to pray and then you're welcome when, when you're done you're welcome to stay in worship or you're free to go okay let's stand together Father I pray for everybody in this church who's trying to make a trade today of the things they're bound to versus the things they want to be set free from once and for all that they are loved not a result of divorces drug abuse promiscuity immorality lying death debt gambling their past their fears their unknown future they're not a result of that they're a result of the cross of calvary nobody can add or take away from that and that they would live that in this moment they would feel it god as they make the trade as they leave that in the prison and they say i choose your life i choose what you've done for me i believe in you in jesus name amen come and make the trade when you're ready
2: Breathe the chasm That lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name Into the night And through the dark.
1: Remember me remember what he did remember the price he paid anything you think you can't be forgiven of yes you can anything you think you can't forgive he forgave it greater yes you can he paid for you let's partake together he said this is my blood poured out for you you know when Jesus was on the cross they took a sponge and they lifted it up to Jesus to give him the drink what most people don't know is most likely that was a sponge to cleanse Roman soldiers and, and officials after they had used the the restroom Jesus literally died with the filth of this world in his mouth. He paid everything. He poured out his blood. He endured. Gave everything. Your freedom means everything to him. God wants you joyful. If you've lived your life with a heavy heart, the blood says no more. Your life with mistakes, the blood says no more. You are free. You are forgiven. You are not a result of your hang ups, hurts, and habits. But Jesus, let's partake together. I'm going to pray. And you are welcome to stay and be in God's presence and worship or you are free to go and have a great day and be blessed as you go out and live free. Lord, bless you and keep you this week. May his freedom increase in your life. May joy abound. May forbearance be easy for you. And may all the blessings of God purchased for you at Calvary flow into your life as far as the curse is bound.
3: Bye.